This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a foggy Thursday afternoon, January 25th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. GM and Honda have begun production of hydrogen fuel cell systems. We'll learn more in our next segment. But right now, a key measure of the economy is out today, along with the latest report on new home sales. Let's break down the numbers with the help of Lance Roberts, chief investment strategist with R. RIA Advisors in Houston. Find them online at realinvestmentadvice.com and on X, the former Twitter, at Lance Roberts. But uh, right now, he's on the Noon Business Hour. Lance, thanks for joining us today. 3.3%. That's the annualized rate for economic growth in the fourth quarter. Uh, Not quite at the uh, dizzying heights of uh, Q3, but uh, still nothing to sneeze at. No, not at all. And uh, thanks for having me here. Um, no, it was actually a five sigma beat over the highest expectations. So, th- you know, this really, uh, you know, the majority of economists were expecting a 2% number. The highest estimate was two and a half. So 3.3 really just outside the, the realm of what you would think it would come in because the first estimate of GDP is always based around the general economic estimates of, of economists. Now, we'll get actual data in over the next couple of months, and I would suspect to see this revised down a bit. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, absolutely, uh, actually a very strong number. And importantly, the deflator, which is that what that measure of, of inflation was actually weaker than expected. So, you know, this is actually all good news for the market. Yeah, let's talk about uh, the inflation readings uh, inside the uh, the fourth quarter uh, gross domestic product report. Uh, the uh, PCE, the uh, personal consumption expenditures, uh, up 2% for the period. The headline rate, 1.7%. I know the Fed looks at a different measure of PCE when determining uh, the trajectory of interest rates, but it seems like uh, we're on track for that 2% target that the Fed's been talking about for over two years now. Exactly. And again, that's, you know, really, you know, this rally in the market that we've had in November and December and into January is all based on this idea that the Fed's going to be cutting rates rather aggressively this year. The market's expecting five to seven rate cuts this year in 2024. The Fed's talking about three. But, you know, when we're talking about inflation coming down with strong economic growth, you know, this is one of the things the markets may find a bit challenging. There's not a whole lot of reason for the Fed to overly to be overly aggressive about cutting rates because they're kind of getting what they want. They're getting good economic activity, no real sign of inflation pickup. That's almost nirvana for the Federal Reserve. We're talking to Lance Roberts, chief investment strategist of RIA Advisors in Houston, as we break down the uh, first uh, estimate of uh, fourth quarter gross domestic product, a 3.3 percent annualized rate well above uh, analyst expectations. And of course, uh, when we talk about good news, especially when you talk about good news amongst uh, economists, Lance, there's always a but. And uh, in this case, uh, it seems like the, uh, the, the there's a great deal of concern about how long this uh, rally of the, from the consumer is going to last. Will that strength uh, c- carry itself through 2024? You know, that that is actually the big question. If we actually take a look at spending over the holidays, 
one of the the interesting byproducts of, of that spending was a, a very big increase in the people in the number of people using buy now pay later programs like through PayPal and Affirm, et cetera, a different form of credit, right? So this is credit without having a credit card, so to speak. But you know, we're seeing credit card debt go up. We're seeing these buy now pay later programs getting a lot more traction. And this is because consumers are getting to that point. They're running out of savings and they need to make ends meet. And the Look, the cost of living for the average American is still a lot higher than it was. And and there is going to be the real question about whether or not the sustainability of this spending can continue, particularly as we see wage growth on a year-over-year basis beginning to wane here a bit, employment getting a little bit softer. I think that may be a challenge when we get the second, third quarter of this year. Lance Roberts, Chief Investment Strategist, RIA Advisors in Houston. Find him online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Thank you for joining us today. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. General Motors and Honda are now producing hydrogen fuel cell systems as an alternative to battery electric power for vehicles. Let's get the latest from Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive correspondent in Detroit. And uh, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. I know you were at the uh, event yesterday. And my first question for you, Jeff, is on, on a scientific basis, um, what produces more energy? What is a more reliable source of energy, especially now is it uh, is it this uh, fuel cell system or is it uh, tapping into the collective energy of Detroit Lions fans as they get ready for Sunday's matchup against the 49ers? Wow, set from a Bears <laughs> fan, I am impressed. What, what, what's it like to be? What, what's it like to have a sustained playoff run, Jeff? I'm I'm asking for a couple of friends. Hey, you know what? Uh, I've been a Lions season ticket holder for about 26 years, and frankly, I've seen your Bears disappoint me a couple of times, and it was thrilling to be there for the uh, last couple of playoff games. I'm I'm not going to spend the money to go all the way out to San Francisco and watch that on TV, but... uh, you know, you can tell this enthusiasm is contagious. It's spreading around the country. It's a, it's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, if you do wind up with a, you know, there's you still have to get through this weekend, but if you do wind up with a, uh, let's say, a Detroit uh, Lions and a Kansas City Chiefs uh, Super Bowl, uh, let's try to set some over-unders on how many times you see uh, Taylor Swift and or Eminem uh, during that matchup. But first, got to win the game on Sunday. But let's talk about these uh, hydrogen fuel cells, and they've been talked about uh, for quite some time, especially when uh, the price of gas uh, heads north of $4 a gallon. What can we do as a a sustainable fuel source uh, outside of electricity? And it seems like this technology has gone from a drawing board concept uh, to reality. Uh, What were your observations from this event yesterday? Yeah, it's taken a lot of work to do it. I had a chance to go through this fuel cell factory, and it's amazing to see how many steps there are and and how these things can have zero defects because a defect in one cell would affect the entire fuel cell. For people who don't know, fuel cells produce electricity by combining hydrogen and oxygen, and of course that makes water, but electricity is a byproduct. They've been used by NASA for years, but now they're finally affordable, reliable enough to be used here on Earth. 
Yeah, that it was the uh, the, the primary source of power uh, for the space shuttle, uh, a, a, as I recall. So, as you said, this was a piece of space technology. But I think as, as we've kind of followed the evolution of electric cars, and even now, as it's uh, made the turn into mass acceptance uh, in the marketplace, even electric vehicles are having some growing pains. Uh, what are the next steps for fuel cells? Yeah, fuel cells. I mean, I heard this great analogy yesterday. Think of a vehicle today that runs on diesel. That's probably better for a fuel cell versus gasoline, which is better for a battery. The reason being that a bigger vehicle is going to need a bigger battery, and that's going to cause more weight, which actually forces you to make the battery even bigger. Whereas a fuel cell is of a certain size, and it can produce the electricity on board tends to be expensive in smaller uses, but in terms of, say, an 18-wheeler, something like that, a large pickup truck, in those cases, the fuel cell has a better use case. Uh, Again, the issue is getting the hydrogen to fuel it, but it's a more limited use case than a battery. Does the, the potential exist for the fuel cell eventually eclipsing the EV as the primary uh, uh, sustainable power uh, source for a car? That would be long-term. Right now, most car makers think for a smaller passenger car, a battery works best because EVs are expensive and the hydrogen fueling infrastructure is, is even less than the EV refueling and recharging infrastructure. So right now, they're thinking fuel cells for larger uses. Maybe 10, 20 years down the road, that may change. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, Boeing 737 MAX 9 jets could soon be back in the air. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The FAA is clearing the way for grounded Boeing planes to resume flying. We welcome in Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And this seems like it's is going to be a two-tiered process uh, to get the Boeing 737 MAX 9 uh, back in the sky. There's the uh, airworthiness of the individual aircraft, uh, the inspection process, but it seems like the FAA and the Department of Transportation will eventually take kind of a, a top-to-bottom review of uh, the assembly process at Boeing. Oh, that's right. And it was really uh, striking to see uh, Michael Whitaker, the FAA head, saying, uh, you know, this is... Uh, the start of a much bigger look at Boeing, and that's uh, that means a lot to hear, hear it straight from the top like that. But uh, in the short term, airlines are breathing a collective sigh of relief because we didn't know if the inspections here were going to lead to something else, and it appears to be some missing bolts in that Alaska plane that that uh, had the door uh, fly off. So it must be, uh, looks like a simple fix here. Now, the uh, the plane landed safely and no one was injured. It, it, it's, it's kind of being filed away as an uh, scary but all's well that ends well situation until you read the story uh, from the uh, family that was seated in that row. And actually, it was a very terrifying experience uh, when the, uh, the plug door blew out and then uh, holding on for dear life until the plane landed. And uh, you, you can try to... Uh, uh, to, to, to just turn the page, uh, but it seems like from a passenger's pr- perspective, it's going to be very difficult to do so. 
Oh, no doubt. And I've been watching air travel my whole life, and I've never seen anything quite like this with a basically a giant hole on the side of the airplane uh, uh, coming, uh, you know, all of a sudden and just a terrifying, life changing, uh, soul searching that happened for people near that, that scene. And I think for Boeing, you know, it's. Uh, it's quite embarrassing because it was uh, likely, we think, a shoddy assembly happening here, and it was not some sort of a fluke um, air pressure issue. So uh, they have a lot of explaining to do. And, and don't forget that the uh, 737-900ERs are still grounded being inspected. So uh, this crisis is a long way from being over. And the extended range uh, version of the aircraft, uh, now we're talking about uh, flying over water concerns. Is that correct? That's right. And these are older and the same issue with these plugs put in the door where airlines don't need the extra door. They plug it. And um, and there's hundreds of those in there. United, uh, uh, Delta, have you know, a large number of these are thinking this won't lead to some flight disruptions. But when you start taking some of the older planes apart and searching for things, you know, different things often come up, different fixes that are recommended. So there's still a uh, there's still a lot of concern that this could uh, you know, keep some planes on the ground for quite a while. I asked you this question, Joe, during the uh, extended grounding of the 737 MAX uh, several years ago uh, in the wake of the two fatal crashes involving software errors. And does this come back into play? Uh, are we looking at a situation here where the 737 MAX, that particular model, is going to be like the DC-10, uh, an aircraft that was uh, plagued by safety issues and eventually rebranded? Yeah, I think with that concern is definitely on the minds of people buying planes now, and European airlines in particular are always on the fence between Boeing and Airbus, and you know, will this plane become a safety uh, soap opera, so to speak, where every time it seems to be behind us, something new pops up. Uh, I don't think we're looking at it quite like that, because there's been no concerns about the aerodynamics of the plane, the, you know, the construction itself. It's been these little little flaws and things that have had to get fixed. And so Boeing likely is going to lose some orders over this. And, and you're right, though, that one or two more things with the MAX, and it could be a tarnished airplane for, for good. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Thank you for joining us today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The United States looks to broker a major peace deal in Gaza. Parts of the American South dealing with significant flooding. It's Technology Thursday. The use of artificial intelligence in retail now includes a Victoria's Secret partnership with Google Cloud. Shares of Tesla fall after the company reports lower than expected earnings and warns of a slowdown in 
in volume this year. Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 37 points. NASDAQ up 9. S&P 500 up 9. 38 degrees right now in Chicago with fog, a dense fog advisory in effect until 6 o'clock tonight. Topping our news at the half hour, CIA Director William Burns will be heading overseas in the next few days, hoping to narrow or close gaps between Israel and Hamas to forge a peace deal. An agreement would reportedly involve the release of all remaining hostages held in Gaza and a two-month ceasefire that would represent the longest break in fighting since the war began last October 7th. Parts of the South are under flood warnings as a powerful rain system from the West sweeps across the country. Northwest of the city, a whopping 10 inches of rain over the past three days washed away roads. Drivers in Covington, Louisiana, north of New Orleans, pushed through flooded roads. Further south in Mandeville, flash flooding left cars abandoned alongside the street. The National Weather Service asking drivers to avoid traveling across the North Shore, if possible, due to unsafe conditions. In Columbia, Missouri, a blanket of fog cut visibility to a quarter mile or less. Jared Hill, CBS News. It's 12.32. As the noon business hour continues, markets are slightly higher today. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer of Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Jack, thank you for joining us today. And looking at that uh, initial estimate of the uh, fourth quarter gross domestic product uh, outside of a headline number that uh, beat analysts' expectations by quite a bit, uh, there's a lot to like under the hood as well. There is. Um, it was a great report on both fronts. Uh, the growth came in at 3.3%, which was way above what economists had predicted at 2.0%. Uh, and meanwhile, inflation came down. Uh, this is the PCE deflator, which is a you know, Fed's somewhat arcane target, came down to 2%, which is now uh, two consecutive quarters of 2%, their target, uh, inflation rate. So high growth with low inflation can't be better than that. And uh, the core PCE, uh, which excludes food and energy, that's at 3.2%, but still uh, knocking on the door of that uh, 2% target. So uh, we're very close to, it seems like it, it, it either very close to the finish line or uh, we've run through the tape. Yeah, well, I think certainly a lot of the anticipated uh, uh, action that we uh, thought we'd get this year occurred probably in the last two months of last year. Remember, the S&P from November 1st to December 31st rallied nearly 13% or something like that. Um, and so some of that was probably pulled forward from this year. But still, nonetheless, um, you know, investors are expecting lower short-term interest rates. I do think now with stronger growth and weaker inflation, it could put some of the take some of the pressure off the Fed to actually ease right away. Um, so perhaps that March rate hike, which was a near certainty last year, is probably down to slightly less than a coin flip. Now, uh, the, the markets popped uh, initially uh, off of that uh, GDP report. Uh, they have paired their gains somewhat uh, as we approach the uh, mid, as we pass the midpoint of the trading day. Uh, are there are, are, is Tesla doing all of that work? Because it seems like uh, uh, investors have soured just a little bit on Tesla based on their most recent uh, fourth quarter report. Yeah, uh, Tesla certainly disappointing investors, uh, down nearly 13% just today. Uh, but we have to look back to 2023. Here's a year they spent pretty much the entire year cutting prices to maintain market share. Um, so probably not a surprise that um, their, you know, certainly profitability is down. And then as their 
bringing prices lower, perhaps accelerating sales that would have occurred this year into last year. And on top of that, uh, there were just some uh, headlines uh, involving Tesla that uh, were, were, that weren't great, uh, beginning with uh, Hertz uh, selling off uh, some uh, Teslas out of its uh, rental car fleet uh, because of those aforementioned uh, price cuts, and then uh, also the uh, difficulties that some Teslas were having uh, in, in charging in extremely cold weather. Yeah, that's it. Chicago certainly was, uh, you know, played host to extremely cold weather over the last couple of weeks uh, and the challenges of keeping a, a battery charged, apparently. Um, and so, you know, those combined with the fact that Hertz, you know, motivated by the fact that um, maintaining these cars uh, was a lot more expensive than they thought certainly wasn't a great great headline uh, for Tesla. And then very quickly, looking ahead to 2024, it seems like uh, the, the through line of the last three years is that uh, the consensus opinion about inflation and the economy has been wrong at every step, at every, every step of the way. Um, uh, the, the economy is disappointed when we're optimistic and it is surprised when we're pessimistic. Uh, looking ahead to 2024, it seems like the concern, though, is that uh, the, the, the strength of the consumer, which uh, carry the economy through 23 uh, may begin to waver in the new year. Yeah, that's it. We're starting to see evidence that it, perhaps uh, consumers are getting tapped out or just tired of, of uh, all the spending that's been going on. Credit card companies, particularly the large banks, are showing that balances are, are going up, uh, but also delinquencies and late payments are starting to rise. So perhaps that's an early indicator uh, that uh, consumers will be closing uh, their wallets uh, in the coming quarters. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, a move by Victoria's Secret is generating some privacy concerns. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. Victoria's Secret's new AI shopping partnership with Google is the latest incursion of technology into retail. We're joined by Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business reporter. Jennifer, thank you for uh, joining us today. And uh, before we talk about the specific issue here uh, involving Victoria's Secret and this uh, AI partnership with Google, it seems like it's another retailer that's trying to find a way to make the online shopping experience a little bit more like the in-store shopping experience. Well, yes and no, Rob. Uh, that's uh, that's it can in some in some respects because it's trying to give you recommendations of what kind of product with you know you're looking for new shoes. What kind of shoes are you looking for? What's your size? What's your price? That kind of thing. So yeah, in in some respects, it can do that. It can cut out the middleman of customer service altogether too. But it's a it's a little bit. It can be a little bit more intense than that because. In order to have those kinds of customized experiences, you have to give them a lot of information about yourself. And ultimately, these chat boxes, they perform a lot better than, say, digital advertising do or even personal recommendations, you know, in store because they just they're faster. They're, they process the information quicker. But the information you're giving them is information about yourself. You know, you know, whatever you're buying, I'm buying. You know, it, let's use a Victoria's Secret. I'm looking for new lingerie. Well, you know, what kind of lingerie are you looking for? Well, I need a new bra. What kind of bra? What's your cup size? What's this? What's that? And then it's, you know, it's putting all this information into it. In some respects, you can like send a photo or 
an image of yourself and it'll fit the fit the bra or lingerie, whatever it is you're buying, so that you can get an idea of what it looks like on you. And it's, so think about that, that that's gathering all that information about you. And that's kind of where some of the privacy concerns come in. And I think if we've learned anything about the Internet, uh, especially over the last decade or so, is that if you have a treasure trove of data, whether you're an insurance company, a dentist's office, yep. a credit card or a retailer, someone somewhere wants to have access to it and steal it. Yep. Yep, that's. I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there because that, that, and one of the things that retailers, in particular, with his AI infrastructure, are saying is that it will help fight fraud. But you know, I mean, we've seen fraud jump up on internet. You know, it, it continues to get worse. I mean, and you think about on the other side of this, the whole privacy thing. You think about like digital advertising. You know, let's say you bought a pair of Sorel boots for your daughter. You've already gifted them, but you still get inundated with these Sorel ads every time you go online for something. Well, when you go into when you when you go to shop at a Victoria's Secret or Walmart or wherever where they have it, and it's it's becoming very pronounced throughout the industry. When you go there, they're they're going to have all that information too, and they're going to say, well, based on your last purchase, and you're like, well, my last purchase was for my daughter. My purchase now is for me or you know, for my husband or something like that. So it, and, and at the same time, it's gathering all this information about you. Oh, you have a daughter. Oh, you have a husband. And oh, how tall is he? And, you know, it's just gathering all this information that really, really does kind of cross the line for many um, privacy issues. We're talking to Chicago-based uh, business reporter Jennifer Waters on uh, AI and the shopping experience. I mean, yes, there is the data privacy component to it. You don't want uh, strangers or other people uh, finding your private personal information and then uh, trading it with uh, other unsavory actors on the Internet. But uh, you do bring up a, ver a very important point, and that is uh, it's one thing to tailor advertising to your needs and interests. It's another thing to become very off-putting and this whole idea of was that just in was that you know company or entity uh just in the room with me why why are they uh, 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 uh inundating me with ads that are that uh personal, personal and maybe about something i just talked about and does that have the potential to uh, turn customers off well you know one of the things that they say about this is that it will take some customer getting used to, so to speak. So I'm, you know, as, as you and I have discussed, I'm a privacy freak. I don't give out any information about myself, but my daughter is a little bit freer than her, with her information. And, you know, younger kids, particularly, you know, those in their twenties and such are much more freer with their information. So yeah, it's really going to come into this whole privacy thing. It, it, maybe it's, you know, I mean, maybe my grandchildren will be so used to not having any sense of privacy that this won't matter to them. But for me, it matters to me because I don't want anybody to know all that stuff about me. But, you know, I mean, it, and that's why I say one of the things they keep talking about is the customers just have to get more comfortable with it. And if they do, you know, this does, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the far things it could do is it could lead to a, a purchasing manipulation that they, they get to know who you are and everything that they begin to tell you, what you want when you don't even know you want it kind of thing. You know, you open up, uh, you know, the app for whatever, wherever you're shopping and they'll say, oh my gosh, you know, you haven't, you haven't bought a new bathing suit in a year and a half here. Here's what you need. Uh, you might not even think you need one. 
Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business reporter, thank you for joining us today. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Shares of Tesla are falling today following a disappointing earnings report. We're joined by John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. John, thank you for joining us today. And does this, kind of the the troubles that Tesla encountered in the fourth quarter, does that, uh, could that be filed under uh, growing pains for the entire electric vehicle space? Yeah, good question. You know, uh, the real problem for Tesla is that it's had to cut prices to be competitive, especially in China. And, you know, because they can do over-the-air updates that improve their cars and and the like over time, they really don't do styling changes. And, you know, when somebody's going back into the market for a new car, they want a car that looks new and different, not look exactly like the one that they might have had bought three to five years ago. So I think those are the things that are catching up with Tesla right now. And and the price cuts on the Tesla kind of shines a light on another side of the automotive market that maybe the consumer may not entirely be aware, and that is the resale value of said vehicle. Uh, we saw this with Hertz, uh, where they decided to just start uh, selling their Tesla fleet because they didn't want to have a bunch of overpriced EVs on their lots. No, that's exactly right. I mean, that's one thing that you've got to watch on uh, for electric cars right now. It's not as true with Tesla. They've been holding their value pretty well, although the Hertz move is not going to help residuals on Teslas. But, yeah, other EVs, they don't hold their value that well. That's why at this stage of EV development, and, you know, keep in mind, it's going to get a whole lot better in another three years or so. But right now, I always recommend if somebody's really interested in getting an EV that they lease it. Because by the time the lease is over, and you know most leases go for about three years, in three years, there's going to be EVs that are a whole lot better, batteries that are definitely better. There's going to be a whole lot more public charging. So if you lease a car, you don't have to deal with that depreciation. That's somebody else's headache. And I think Tesla's uh, thought process was uh, 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 depreciation wouldn't be that big of an issue uh, because they could uh, deliver those over-the-air updates and you didn't have to take the thing in and and everything could be done via Wi-Fi. And uh, just because they have to cut the price to be competitive, uh, that did not come to pass. That's exactly right. And uh, look, for retail customers of Tesla's up to now, the resale value's been pretty good. I mean, in, in, in fact, way above industry average. But, you know, when a, a company like Hertz decides it's going to just dump 20,000 of these things all at once, it's definitely going to bring down prices. It's going to bring down prices of new ones, too, because it's going to hurt the residual values otherwise of the, the new cars. So, yeah, the, the, the EV segment is caught in a bit of a, I, I don't want to say a downward spiral, it's just not it, – it's growing far faster than any other part of the auto market. It's just not growing as fast as it was a year ago. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst, host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.